3: We are rolling through the program right now, and uh, to start off, I feel like hour number two, for those of you who are listening to the end of the first hour, we have the uh, inclusive national anthem. I didn't watch. Was there a uh, major uh, scene at the start of the NBA finals for the national anthem? Danny G, were you watching?
4: They showed it for a few seconds. Yeah, the camera went on it. It was a a violinist, I want to say, from from the Staples Center, which they filmed and then played on the screen. And yeah, they did show a little bit of the anthem just because it was the start of the NBA
3: Finals. Yeah, I didn't watch uh, the start of the NBA Finals. I was watching Major League Baseball. And actually, I was out to dinner with, uh, uh, for a part of that, I was out to dinner with uh, Jason Whitlock and Sam Savage. Savage is our CEO of OutKick. So we had a a meeting of the minds there talking about a lot of the stuff we've got coming up for OutKick. Uh, But we talked about this in general. Um, was a, uh, a big discussion. The idea of having a more inclusive National Anthem. Are they still playing the Black National Anthem before uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing before the start of the NFL games too?
4: Who knows, because the TV networks aren't showing that.
3: Yeah. I told you, I, I said, I have heard uh, from people that I, know, that I know and trust that in week one, the NFL is going to cover the Anthem. They're going to cover Lift Every Voice and Sing, everything else. As soon as week one is over, all anthem talk is vanishing from all NFL coverage. CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, ESPN, everybody, they are completely obliterating that coverage because they want to make sure that as many people watch the games as possible and they know that doing divisive political rhetoric in the middle of a divisive political election season is just going to make things a lot worse. And it has. Has anybody noticed that? Has anybody seen any NFL politics stuff at all going on over the past couple of weeks? Have I missed it? Danny G, Dub, Roberto, Eddie, anybody?
4: I'm pretty sure that it's because our show came up with this anthem That's and, right. and saved the world.
3: All right, so what we did, and we, we still haven't chosen exactly what the uh, what the gay national anthem should be to make sure that we're even more inclusive uh, but i feel like it's like barbie girl uh, or ymca um one of those two it feels like i'm not an expert on the gay uh gay music scene. I and mean, your wife pointed like, out we also needed a female singer maybe so we could Yeah, my wife pointed out we needed a female singer so uh so we two in one there with Barbie Girl. Yeah, Barbie Girl would be great. Um or uh, uh, or you know maybe like a version from Madonna. George. Boy George uh Chameleon
0: it, was the song Chameleon
3: Oh, chameleon is yep. a very that is very yeah. much on the. I feel like YMCA was the first gay national anthem. <laughs> Would you guys agree? Yes, I mean in general, like the the, the everything about the, the uh, even YMCA itself was very inclusive. You know, they had all the different uh, people singing dressed up in uh, all the different outfits. Uh, but we put together. We need to add. Can we add the gay national anthem to the end? Could we do a mix of a variety of gay? Uh, pop We could do chameleon. We could do YMCA. We could do Barbie Girl. Could we do that? You want me to to do some
4: surgery and then we'll play it later in the hour?
3: Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, first of all, we'll give this version. All right. Uh, So for people out there who are not aware, we were trying, and this is my gift to Roger Goodell and to the NFL and to the NBA and everybody else, trying to come up with the most inclusive national anthem imaginable. And so I said we need uh, a white, black, Asian, and Hispanic national anthem. On behalf of white people, I drafted Sweet Caroline. Which I believe is the white national anthem,
4: except for New York. Uh,
3: yeah, except for New- <laughs> on, on behalf of uh Hispanic people, Roberto, you drafted uh, what did you draft again? War, war, war rider. Uh, all right, so uh, and then we uh, we had the Asian people call in and they took a sigh uh,
4: G- G- from uh, yeah, yeah,
3: Gangnam style, yep. right? Uh, and then I said the, the the black national anthem, in my opinion, humble as it may be it had to be Apple Bottom Jeans uh, by Flo Rida. Yeah, no, Uh, I voted Al Green. Yeah, you voted Al Green, but I'm telling you. So anyway, the point (laughs) here is listen to this and tell me that you're not going to have a single uh, tear running down your cheek while also you are unable to avoid dancing and embracing all that is great about america here is the outkick inclusive national anthem medley soon to be added with the gay national anthem as well but right now the white black asian and hispanic people can all unite as one lock interlock arms and begin to sway in unison here it goes let's go
4: touching me
0: touching
4: The low rider, the low rider is a little higher. Shorty
0: had the apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur
4: the whole club was looking at her. Gangnam star.
3: How much would you pay for Roger Goodell to actually endorse this? Can you imagine the reaction? Like if he was like, you know, the most popular sports talk radio show in the country is Clay Travis's outkick. They're growing really fast. They've got really influential guests, including the president of the United States. The other day I was in my car driving into work and it occurred to me that if we're going to be playing the black national anthem, that we need to be more inclusive. We got Asian players, we got Hispanic players. And uh, we probably have some gay players. And so I was listening to him, and I thought, you know what? he's brilliant and uh, and now we have the most inclusive national anthem ever. I, I would just love Roger Goodell at his you know yearly Super Bowl event uh, where he has to get up and address all the media to, uh, to, to be <laughs> to, to put this up on like a PowerPoint, uh, you know, like in, 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 in describing each of the songs, you know, in like the most uh, the, the most bureaucratic, business-like manner with a you know clicker sitting there going from one PowerPoint slide to the other uh, and here we have flow Rida he is uh, his Apple bottom gene anthem is uh, definitely characterizes the black experience in America today and we've got Psy, and here's his, the uh, the Asian people love the uh, the Gangnam style I'm told. And white people, I mean, I'm a white person. I'm an old white guy. I got to tell you, every time Sweet Caroline comes on, I definitely raise my hand. This is Roger Goodell speaking. And do the bum, bum, bum. Like there's not a single white person on the planet who every time, do we just have that one little part? That's like, that's the three most famous chords of all time for white people. Uh, every single white person you know, when they do that, like they raise their hands, like they're playing the, you know, the symbol themselves. Uh, there we go. Here it is. there you go right there that little horn whatever that is that that little oh that's like every white oh man our ratings just went to <laughs> we have literally a hundred percent of white people in america listening all we have to do it's it's like again let's play it one more time a- amazingly like every radio uh, of every white person in america just came on when they just heard that chord uh, they're all and their hands immediately raised and they're all acting like they are like singing along with the horn it's unbelievable three most p- famous chords in the history of white america uh and so uh, that 100 percent rating they're going to be looking at the ratings they're going to be like what was going on here and then it's just skyrocketing like literally every radio in america just came on
4: oh uh, this is the one roberto's voting for for uh the gay national anthem
3: to your life yep i don't even know what this is it's boy, boy george, george. You only know the hook, I guess. Oh yeah. I only know the I only know the chameleon hook.
0: <laughs>
3: this is a lot slower before you get to the chameleon part than I thought. Turn it up right there, Roberto. Here we go.
2: There you go.
3: All right, so we I, I, we are gonna make sure. Uh, Dub, you said that the uh, you agree with me. The Sweet Caroline, like that, that's the bat signal for white people.
1: Yeah, it's like Batman. His light goes up in the sky. That's similar to white people when it comes on the radio. <laughs> the dials turn up, and everyone is in unison.
3: I mean, if you were like, let's say you're in a predominantly black neighborhood, like you're in Compton, and you're listening to us right now, you just start blaring Sweet Caroline. If there's a white person within, you know, like uh, a half mile, they'll just find themselves drawn to your house like a magnet, and they'll just be sitting out. Th- Boom! There you go. They're just all lined up outside. Pretty soon, you got like a drive-in theater. All the white people in the neighborhood—they're just listening to Sweet Caroline on repeat over and over again. <laughs> and like also,
4: zombies. as Dub knows, it is Last Call at most bars when you hear.
3: Oh, I mean, it, they, they play it. I mean, it, they really do. I mean, if you're in a, if if you are in a predominantly white bar. And Sweet Caroline comes on. It is. It is really. I mean, Dub, back, back me up on this. The, the place comes undone.
1: Yeah, that that is when you know it's closing time. And then right after they play Sweet Caroline, they'll actually play Journey. closing time.
3: Closing time. <laughs> yeah, which is a great song. Finish all your whiskeys and beers. Yeah. Uh, There's
4: also some bars that will play uh, Journey. Don't stop believing at the end of uh that's, that's a great song the that's the
3: song you know that's playing at the end when Tony uh, Tony Kornheiser when uh, Anthony Soprano yes uh Tony Soprano uh gets uh gets shot you know they've admit spoiler alert sorry for everybody out there who was just oh. catching up on the Sopranos uh they, 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 they finally admitted that he's getting shot there at the end of the uh of the Sopranos yeah, and that's why, fade it, goes, to black means that's why death. it all goes black yeah yep. uh, but that's the song that's playing at the end Uh, this is
4: Roberto's giving us another option here for the gay national yeah. anthem. I think
3: I think it has to. To me, YMCA is the gay national anthem. But my wife was right that it's going to be not inclusive enough if we only have male singers. Yeah, so, I almost
4: feel like we need to play Beyonce and then maybe this. So we need two more.
3: Oh, Beyonce's not bad. The, yeah, uh, that
4: that girls girl rule, power song. rule the world song I girls played yesterday. Girls rule the world. Yep. Yeah,
3: that's good. That's what, we should, that's what we should mix in.
4: So I'll do so, Beyonce and then this YMCA. DJ
3: Danny G to make sure. So we have the white, black, Asian, Hispanic. We then have the female national yes. anthem. You know what? I would say there are two that, that we need to have for women to make sure that we're incredibly inclusive. We need Beyonce, the girl power one. But also, I've Got All My Sisters and Me, which they play. It's like every sorority's theme song. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even know who sings that. Who sings the I've Got All My Sisters and Me songs? Anybody know? Somebody has to know. Sister Sledge, We Are Family. Yeah, We Are Family. But it's like all my – like that literally is like every sorority's theme song. And every sorority girl will be like, oh, this is my sorority's theme song. And you're like, yeah, it's every sorority's theme song that has ever existed throughout, man. They always, like, think it's really unique. Oh, this is what my sisters and I, we love to play at the end of the KD formal. Oh, let's all go dance. Do we have that on? Do we have that? And then it's like, yeah, everybody who's ever been to any formal. Here we go. Here we go. Every girl, every girl out there who's ever been a sorority girl. is like, they're sisters, too. We're all sisters. (laughs) Like, literally, this is how every sorority formal ends. Let's go. We're sisters. Do you guys understand? We are in the same sorority, and we're sisters, just like they say on this song. Everybody, like we have to all go dance on the and every guy's like, This is the cheesiest, the lamest. I like the Alvin drunk.
4: and Chipmunks version of this better.
3: No, I
4: believe, well, it, this believe
1: this ever it or start? not, believe it is or not, this, the 1979
3: Pittsburgh Pirates had this as their theme song. How old are you that you know the 1979 I know. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers you, theme song? I,
4: I stormed the beaches of Normandy. Yeah, I'm you? What I, are you I know talking you about? Went straight from World <laughs> War II, but.
3: You remember, just off the top of your head, the 1979 theme song. Well, I am a Pirates fan, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you poor bastard. Yeah, thank Um, you. At least I'm uh, not the twins. But B- Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla are not walking through those doors. And uh, Andy Van like w- Willie uh, Stargel. Willie, Star- Willie Stargel. That's a really old. Dave Parker before he went there to the Reds. Um, all right. So uh, we have to do this whole medley. But everybody who has ever been to a sorority formal knows exactly what I'm talking about. So we will finally complete the most inclusive national anthem of all time. And I feel like in these, uh, in this, uh, this time of division and rancor and discord – we are bringing America together with the greatest national anthem medley that has ever been created uh, so when, when should we plan for people out there who are listening right now for uh, uni- Uniting America time to actually be possible DJ Danny G is this at the end of hour three because we got a guest coming up uh, who, we got, who we're talking to next Jeff Shorts here in a minute or is it something that's going to happen at the beginning of hour three
4: You know what? I could do quick surgery and and make it happen for the end of this hour.
3: Because I'm going to tell Schwartz if we have it at the end of the hour, we'll probably play it at the top of the hour, third hour as well. But I think when he comes on with us, he's going to want to stay around to make sure that he hears it uh, because it's it's important to have unity early in your morning. So that is what we have coming. We have the most inclusive national anthem ever created in mankind's history. uh, And we will debut it at the end of the second hour of the program here. And uh, on top of that, we will also be joined by Jeff Schwartz here coming up to talk about the return of the NFL. So as we go to break, Jeff Schwartz is going to join us, break down the NFL. We will have the most inclusive national anthem ever created in the history of mankind for the end of the hour.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m.
2: Pacific.
3: We're joined now by Jeff Schwartz, NFL offensive line veteran. He sits in a lot on the show whenever I'm out. Of course, I don't miss days very often. I'm basically the uh, Cal Ripken of Sports Talk Radio. I'm basically here every morning, every day, all the time. You can't avoid me. But Jeff Schwartz, I know you are a Major League Baseball fan. Major League Baseball definitely stumbled into the season, maybe even was crawling into the season. Then the Marlins test positive. Then you have issues with the Cardinals. But right. did they end up with genius with this games going on for eight games yesterday from noon to midnight Major League Baseball madness style? It felt like an awesome new tradition.
1: It was great. I thought. I mean, I, I watched as much as I could in between work and whatnot. It's nice to have. You know, baseball is a good sport to just have on the background yeah. when you're working. Like it was nice to just have it there while I was I was on the radio and I was doing some writing. It's just nice to have on. Yeah, I think baseball has leaned into the idea that, look, things are going to be different this year. And so having this style of, of just eight games in one day is, is fabulous. And so I liked it. I mean, the games were, were relatively good. There was drama, obviously. I didn't know, by the way, that the, uh, the extra inning rule was only for the regular season. I, you know, we watched that, that, what, how long did that game go? 16 innings, Braves and Reds? 13, bottom and of I the 13th. Look, but there,
3: Yeah, no runs <laughs> until the bottom of the 13th.
1: And I was uh, I was like, oh, okay, we're going back to the the regular rules for the postseason. I did not know that, but it was great. I thought baseball did a good job with it. Uh, and we're seeing like the RSNs have been pretty good for baseball this year, right? It's been a good regional sport, yes. uh, which is really what it is now, right? It's not a national sport anymore; it's a regional sport. Um, and I liked it.
3: Yeah, I think what baseball has is baseball dominates in all of the local markets. Like if you compare the baseball teams to the NBA teams baseball way more people watch baseball yeah. locally but what the nba has is they've got lebron james and everybody cares about a lebron or you know a Giannis, or maybe one day it's going to be a luca whoever it is basketball has more of a national fan base that wants to watch a big basketball game but baseball dominates in all of its local areas if you're listening to me right now and you're in st louis like the cardinals they do, do just dominate you know all of your market if you're in atlanta like the Braves destroy uh, the uh, the Hawks, for instance, in a local marketplace uh, interest. Um, anyway, just it's it's kind of fascinating to think about that. All right, I'm curious for you. You spent eight years in the NFL. We have a situation that's probably never occurred before, at least I can't think of it ever occurring. Maybe you know of an example. The Titans are not allowed in their team facility right now until Saturday. There is talk that they are going to play basically an earlier kickoff on Monday as part of a Monday night doubleheader. If they can get back to their facility on Saturday and then Sunday and try to put a game plan together, what would this be like? How impactful do you think it is in terms of their ability to play in a cohesive and talented fashion on Monday given what they're dealing with right now?
1: Well, we play Thursday games obviously after Sunday games and, and I remember in twenty ten we were really bad on the Panthers and we were going to play Pittsburgh in week sixteen I think it was or week fifteen on Thursday night and John Fox just gave us a day off Monday. He's like whatever guys just take take Monday off. So we only prepared for the game Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That would be the same situation now, right? I mean yep. get it in. Uh, and we didn't you know we didn't have virtual Zoom meetings back then, right? I mean the Titans right now I would imagine our game planning at home they're meeting, they're going over filming. You know, All the players have iPads now. We didn't have iPads in 2010. There was no like watching film at home by yourself. So all the players have access to the film. They have access to the game plan. But a lot of us learn by doing, right, by having to see it in walkthroughs and practice. So Saturday, I would imagine that the, the Titans would, would do something like Saturday, have maybe two different, walkthroughs on Saturday. Uh, maybe they have a light practice Saturday. And then Sunday, obviously, have a couple maybe more walkthroughs and play Monday during the day. So it's not it's not, um, it's not not something that I think is uh, so tough on the Titans that they, they can't handle it. But they'll be at a disadvantage. I mean, Pittsburgh has a couple extra days to prepare now for them. Uh, they're an older team, so getting some rest will be good for a lot of their players and, you know, extra few days of rest. Um, so it's not unprecedented. I mean, you can do it, but it's going to be tough. Would you be
3: betting against the Titans based on just the way that the game is structured?
1: Well, I was going to bet against them anyways. I think Pittsburgh's really good, and Tennessee uh, has not played. I mean, they've won their 3-0, but they haven't covered in any three of their games, uh, which is really odd to be 3-0 and not cover in any of your games. Um, uh, so I, I would lean more toward Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm just curious what the line... Will come back out as I think. I think it got taken off the board at at Steelers minus one or or close to even. Does it come back at Steelers minus three? I'm curious to see what the how Vegas kind of handles this because you know the 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 players that the Titans lost for COVID are not major contributors so far for the long snapper. Um, And you know the long snapper is important. Obviously, they'll find someone to, to fill that role, but you know it's not it's not been. You know, it's not not Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Taylor Luan. I mean, it's not, you know, any of their big-time stars. So I don't think think it'll affect the line that much. But I I like Pittsburgh anyways. Uh, I probably like them a little bit more that, that, you know, they can prepare and and Tennessee can't.
3: When you're in the season like this, is it easy to stay in rhythm even if you're not having your traditional practices? Or is this a situation where you think the timing and the rhythm for the Titans could be off? and, And also with that, would you design an easier game plan this week? I mean, there are a lot of different game plans yeah. that could be put in place. Do you do away with maybe some of the normal wrinkles you might add because of the way you're having to prepare?
1: I, I think I, I would say that you could make it maybe a little bit simpler. But the problem is the Steelers are really good on defense, right? Yeah. So. Do you want to have a simpler game plan on a short week? Which you do, you know, Thursday night you kind of keep it simpler than you might maybe on a on a Sunday night. But, you know, you pretty much, the thing about offense in the NFL is that you install everything during training camp. So when it comes to the season, you're just picking and choosing the plays that work for that week. And, you, you know, you'll change formations, you'll, you'll you'll highlight matchups here and there. But it's not like this big overhaul every week where you put in a brand new playbook. And so the Titans will be fine. I just think the, you know, the issue, again, is just not having enough time for players to visualize what's happening in front of them. Right? I mean, as an offensive lineman, I like to see and, and walk through all the pressures I'm going to get that week. It's much easier to visualize what's going to happen um, than just kind of read it on a you know piece of paper or look on my iPad or watch film. I want to see it. Happen in front. I feel like a lot of NFL players learn that way. Ryan Tannehill probably would love to see every blitz he's going to get on Monday night or Tuesday in practice. He's not going to have that this week, at least until Saturday. So um, it's, you know, they'll, it'll be a little behind. But I don't think they're going to, you know, again, they're they can have access to their iPads. Like there's no just sitting at home doing nothing. So that's why I think the game plan will just be like it normally is.
3: Give me a reason why I should watch Broncos Jets tonight.
1: I mean, it's better than what we saw two nights ago on national television. I mean, like that. So I think that's like, like you can't like you can't complain about about Broncos Jets and sit through an hour and a half or whatever that was on Tuesday night. And and, and I mean, that's that's the reason, right? It's better than, than nothing. Um, look, there's not it's not that's nothing. an awful I mean, game,
3: like, right? If you were looking and you're like, what's yeah. the worst game you could design right now? At least with the Broncos had Drew Locke, and he's a young quarterback, you could be like, okay, we're still learning whether or not he might be the future of the Bronco offense. But now that yeah. he's out, and now that I mean, I guess you could say like, hey, no we're going to see, well, yeah, Von Miller's gone. We're going to see whether or not Adam Gase might get might get fired or not. I mean, I guess that's a storyline a little bit. But I mean, this it's is a just a
1: storyline because he's not like no one likes him, right? like right? Yeah, it's not like a storyline where it's like, okay, you know. Dan Quinn made a Super Bowl, or or you know, Mike Zimmer is an excellent defensive coach and you kinda of feel like, okay, he's got to place the NFL somewhere else, right? Like there's Adam Gase, it's, this is his last time to be a head coach. He's not gonna be a head coach again. He'll be an O C again somewhere. Um, you know, look, the Jets, Makai Beckner left tackle is really good, but no one's watching a game to watch a rookie left tackle play. So like there's just not a lot of star power on the field tonight, but everyone's gonna watch the game anyways. I mean, of course. Um but yeah, it's not it's it's not it's not going to be good it's it's going to be ugly football
3: sam Darnold, do you believe in him
1: you know i really want to but i think it's becoming increasingly likely he's just not going to pan out in the nfl i know coaching matters a whole heck of a lot but you know we we see players elevate themselves around bad coaching just enough to make it be like okay you know he has a chance to be really good but if you are the new jets coach next year and they are undoubtedly be the new jets coach next year and you have the number one pick overall you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence and then Tim Darnold's career in New York is done. And can he go somewhere else and revive it? Sure. I mean, You know, he could do a Ryan Tannehill situation. Maybe, he's, you know, Cam Newton, go to, you know, go somewhere else and win a job eventually. But um, he, he has no chance. He's going to be doomed after the season because they're going to draft his replacement right away. I don't know how you would pass up on Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Fields or Trey Lance in the top three um, when you watch Darnold's film for the last three years. So I, I think he's got, he's, he's talented, but, It's
3: just a bad situation. Uh, We haven't talked about it yet. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL offensive lineman. Your brother plays for the Chiefs. The Chiefs came out and just made a big-time statement on Monday, I think. I expected it. I love that I was getting four points for them going on the road against the Ravens. But the statement they made is, we are without question the best team in the NFL. This is our league and there's a big gap between Patrick Mahomes and last year's MVP, Lamar Jackson. Do you agree with everything I said? What else stood out to you from that game?
1: Yes, um, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I think there's there's two teams I look at in the NFL that have a chance to beat the, the Chiefs as of now, right? And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and I'll tell you why. The Pittsburgh Steelers, do, do they have the formula that slows down Mahomes, which is, they can get home with four pass rushers. They're really good pass rushers. They play zone coverage, which, look, you're not going to slow down them, but you can contain them enough to make life a little difficult, which you've seen the Niners and the Chargers do in the last 12 games. But my takeaway was almost – and Tampa Bay, by the way, is the other team. I think Tampa Bay just – their defense is good. Tom Brady will get better. That's our team. But what my takeaway was more about the Ravens. We cannot trust the Ravens anymore. Like, they're they're – they cannot be trusted anymore, right? They, they have now failed against the Chiefs three times, who are their direct rival now in the AFC. They lost the two playoff games, and, it, and the blueprint on them is out, right? They get behind, they panic on offense. They get behind, and they stop running the football. We saw it against your, your, your Titans in the playoff game. We saw it on Monday night. We saw it uh, two years ago against the Chargers. Like, they get behind in a game. And they stop running their offense. And it's so silly because you're down 13 3. Like, just run your offense. No, you're down 10 points in the second quarter of a football game. Just run what you do. And they just they don't do that. They panic. And um, I'm off of them. Like, I, I thought they had a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. They have no chance. They're, they're done. Like, I, I can't see them winning three playoff games with the attitude they have whenever they get behind.
3: How good is Patrick Mahomes going to become? He's 25 years old. I came on and uh, you know Tuesday on this show, and I said, we keep in the media and among fans and everybody else looking for a rival for Patrick Mahomes. What if he's just Jordan? Now, you can say, okay, well, Tom Brady's 43. Uh, you can say Aaron Rodgers, 38. Russell Wilson, 31. Those guys are all a lot older than Patrick Mahomes. And so what I was saying is there's nobody of his quarterback generation, right, somebody within a couple of years of him that's anywhere near what he is right now. And maybe the answer is, well, Russell Wilson's going to play till he's 43-2, and so that age difference is not going to become as big of a deal. But right now, this is Mahomes' league for anybody close in his age.
1: Yeah, it's not relatively close either. I mean, people thought Kyler Murray, and, and Kyler Murray has not, gone. he's, they played well in Arizona, but he's not played terribly well. If you look at his numbers, his efficiency numbers, um, you know, I'm, you know, I wonder if you know it's going to be Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow feels like you know, and to my point about Sam Darnold, you know that you know Joe Burrow's overcoming a bad situation, right? I'm not sure that his coaches are, are. I'm not sure his coaches are very are very good, and his offensive line is terrible, and he's still playing really, really well for a rookie. So I think it's Joe Burrow. I think I think that might be the guy who has a chance to to be um, maybe Mahomes' rival in the AFC at some point in his career. Maybe there's Trevor Lawrence eventually or Justin Fields or some of these young guys.
3: Would you like to come back and hear our inclusive national anthem that is now revised and expanded and I think is going to take America by storm?
1: You changed it again?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's even better. Just trust me on this. Uh, We'll bring you back to start uh, the the segment so you can hear it. I just want you to start your day with the most inclusive song you can possibly imagine.
2: tire rack.com slash sports tire rack.com the way tire buying should be
3: jeff Schwartz, i believe is listening as well all of you across america i'm asking you to stand even if you're driving <laughs> i'm asking you to put your hands across your heart it's a divisive time in our country only one show can save you it's outkick and we have now brought to bear the greatest national anthem in our nation's history. It's for white people, it's for black people, it's for Asian people, it's for Hispanic people, it's for gay people, it's for men and women. This, my friends, is Francis Scott Key getting dunked on all balls-in-the-face style. Get out of the way, Francis Scott Key. There's a new king, and this is the Outkick National Anthem.
4: Let's go. Touching me you, sweet Caroline. All my friends know the low rider. The low rider is a little. high. 강남스타일
0: 강남스타일 Star Na 낮에는 따사로운 인간적인 여자 <웃음>
3: Francis Scott Key could even stare at himself in the mirror after getting dunked on that so hard. I know he's dead and buried for a long time, but if he were still alive, the ghost of Francis Scott Key, he just jumped off uh, the bridge and recognized that he's done for. Jeff Shorts, if they played this before every NFL game, are you telling me America wouldn't be a better place?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think that – oh, man. did did danny enjoy making that that's what i want to know um uh i i i have no idea did michelangelo
3: (laughs) enjoy uh creating the greatest art uh, of all time of course he enjoyed making this this is a dj's Uh, dream
1: (laughs) i i think we should play it one time just to see what happens like just don't tell anyone play it at a sporting event and just see the reaction in the crowd for what what would happen. To Is there any like a, way a
3: prank show? I'll tell you what would happen. Like nobody would kneel. Uh, you're you're not you're not dropping to a knee like that. You might be bobbing. You might be weaving a little bit. You might be moving to the music. But it would <laughs> unite all of America.
1: Um... Sure, I, I don't know if it would if it would uh, help ratings at all, but yeah, maybe maybe it would unite America.
3: Uh, I mean, I tell you this: there isn't going to be a single dry eye in the place. I, I, right now, all across America, everybody is just teared up. They still got their hands over their hearts. We're going to open up the phone lines 877-996-6369. <laughs> uh, do you think that I have cured America of what ails it?
1: You're, uh, you're trying your best. You're trying your, I don't know. If, I don't know if changing the anthem is going to do it, but uh, uh, I, I, I like the effort.
3: All right, so I'm going to open up phone lines, let everybody weigh in. But uh, as you leave us, what do you like the best? Let's be as American as we can. What's your best bet for the weekend in the NFL?
1: I think Tampa minus seven. They're going to. You're going to. I already bet that one. I think they're going to. It's more of an anti more of an chargers yeah. bet. Um, you know what? I'll tell you a surprising game that no one's. Gonna, I'm telling you, no one's going to bet this. The Cleveland Browns are getting four points in Dallas. Yep. I kind of like them to win that game outright.
3: I, I think that's a good bet too. I like both of those bets. I've already bet that Bucks game. I think they're gonna blow out the Chargers. I like the progression that I'm seeing from Tom Brady. I think that the Chargers with all of their injuries are gonna have issues. That's a big trip to make all the way across the country, I think, right yep. or are they in LA we'll or look that first road game. that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I think it's going to be a tough situation for them. And then I'm with you. I, the Cowboys can't stop anybody. I like the Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt combo limit the number of throws that Baker Mayfield has to has to make. I mean, the Cowboy defense is going to give up 30 to pretty much anybody they play. And so, yeah, uh, so
1: I, I'm, I like those. I'm not sure I like that we agree though. So yeah, well, that's changed. always a little
3: bit. That's always a little bit <laughs> nerve wracking. You might want to change what you believe. Um,
1: <laughs> but I like those picks
3: though. Uh, all right, that's Jeff Schwartz. Appreciate the time, my man
1: take care
3: bud yeah all right so uh what do you think of the uh, danny g put it together dub how would you assess the, uh, the the new national anthem that we have debuted
1: i think the new amendments the new additions are fantastic i think it's now officially inclusive for everyone
3: well i think you're right uh what about you uh, eddie you've uh, stormed the beaches of normandy you uh remember and been through a lot as an american citizen have we improved the national anthem well, Clay, this is what I fought for back on these beaches. And, uh, yeah. yes, this is uh, this is what America's all about. When you stormed the beaches at Normandy, you were thinking, one day I hope I get to work on a radio show that redefines the national anthem and finally puts uh, puts Francis Scott Key in the corner and tells him to stay there. Exactly. Baby, you are in the corner, and you should stay there. That's, a uh, embarrassingly, a uh, – does anybody know that reference dirty I, I dancing yeah, unfortunately yeah all of yeah. you know it you're all awful human beings um it, that was a great dirty dancing reference and you guys all got it which means that i need a new crew to work with uh what do you think roberto you, you brought it up you're i know yeah, but yeah. I, you're not supposed to get the reference everybody wasn't immediately supposed to be oh yeah it's dirty dancing That's great my ex-
4: I, I didn't know what you we were talking about my ex-girlfriend <laughs> always used to reference that movie
3: uh i mean yeah jennifer gray and patrick swayze is jennifer gray still alive
4: she is, but she got a nose job, and her career went downhill after well, that. Well, oh, that's better, that's than, being, that's better yeah. than being dead. Like it was Patrick her trademark.
3: She, yeah, should going to be the other way around. Get she a was really job good looking back up. in the day, but Patrick Swayze is dead. I mean, he had he was on a roll there with Ghost. He played uh, Ghost, and he was in uh, Dirty Dancing, and then uh, he was Ori World Main. Uh, yeah. Remember? remember Songs
4: uh, on the soundtrack. He was a good singer.
3: North and South, the uh, the miniseries that they made on television. Uh, he was Ori Main, uh, the uh, – uh plantation owner and uh, roadhouse Carolina. is a
4: classic anytime roadhouse comes on you have roadhouse. to stop what you're doing
3: uh, I, was, I mean point he break. was on a roll there oh, point, point break is a good one point break i mean that's a that's a i'm sorry for disappointing everybody by classic. pointing out that uh that he's dead this is outkick the coverage with clay travis
0: oh, oh